I talk about vision statements, mission statements, brand pillars, and how all those offer direction and the way you should structure your message and the type of content you create, you know, so I think that that's a big thing, really getting them to kind of understand the why behind the content that they're going to make and to just put some thought into how data can help them make the strongest message possible. Hey, welcome to the Higher Ed Storytelling University podcast here on the B Podcast Network. This is a podcast dedicated to helping higher ed marketers tell better stories, create better content, and enroll more students. My name is John Azoni. I'm the founder at Unveiled, and we're a video production company working specifically with college marketing teams on automating their student success stories through a subscription approach. And you can learn more at unveiled.tv. That's U-N-V-E-I-L-D. And if you want to chat directly with me, you can find me on LinkedIn or email me at john at unveiled.tv. That's J-O-H-N. My guest today is Bill Zimmerman. Bill is a lecturer at Penn State University's Donald P. Belisario College of Communications. Uh, he teaches digital PR, social media strategies, and PR media and methods courses. And we've never had a lecturer on this podcast, uh, and we haven't had much of a PR influence either. So I thought Bill would be a great voice, uh, a great voice for for all that stuff. And so in this episode, we talk about a variety of topics, including social media strategy, testing your messaging before launching your campaign, uh, how Penn State manages the crossover between PR, marketing, and communications, and a bunch more stuff. So here is my conversation with Bill Zimmerman. Bill, thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks, John. Excited to talk. Um, so tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, I teach in, I'm in a, a, I was just, just promoted recently, so I'm excited to say my new title. I'm an assistant teaching professor in the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications at Penn State. I teach in the ad PR department, and I'm on the uh, public relations side. So t tell us a little bit about uh, the landscape at Penn State, what's going on there. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, the, ad PR is the the biggest major in in our college. It's it's very popular at the at the moment. We also have a minor called digital media trends and analytics that's that's very popular. Uh, I, I'm excited to be in a in a department that I feel is is very um, very focused on on practical application of what we're, we the students are learning. There we uh, the faculty make a lot of efforts to to stay tapped into what's happening in industry. That includes connecting regularly with alumni to kind of see what they're dealing with, to bring them in as guest speakers. You know, the college maintains a uh, an advisory board of professionals who the faculty are regularly able to to connect with. So I would say, you know, in for from a communication standpoint, Penn State is doing a lot to to make sure that we are delivering. Uh, up-to-date, you know, current best practices for the students. And there's a lot of opportunities for them to to immediately apply some of the things they learn, whether that's in through organizations like the Public Relations Student Society of America. I oversee the social media team on a group called Com Agency, which is a, a student-run creative agency our college created several years ago. And we now have like 50-plus students doing video production work, photography, live streaming, social media, and graphic design, uh, getting paid to do real work for clients on campus. Uh, and then we also have, you know, uh, production facilities for, for broadcast journalism students to produce regular, you know, news programs. So there's just a lot, a lot of exciting things happening at the college that are giving students the chance to, to leave with, with current best practices, connections to people in the industry, and lots of stuff to show off in their portfolio. So where are you guys getting... So you said that they're, they're, they're working with real clients. 
Yeah, most of them are on are on campus. So it, we've worked with uh, research centers. We've worked for different student affairs units. We've worked with with different academic colleges. Uh, we right now we're working with an anthropology museum on campus. We've worked with our all sports museum. So we've done a pretty good job of making lots of different connections with with campus clients who just need a little extra help in their communications. These may be units that don't have a dedicated communications professional or they have somebody who's tasked with doing a lot of different things from from blogging to managing social media to doing media relations and they often really welcome the chance yeah. to have some additional assistance in in a particular area. Yeah, I find that there's a lot of those. There's there's a lot of you know, in my world in the video world, there's I, I talk to internal video teams and they're like the one guy being pulled in a million different directions and you know, it's hard to like do to to do everything. I like that that notion of just like letting them work on actual real projects. That's that's like so much more beneficial. I think that it, in conjunction with you know what they learn in the classroom, it's so helpful to get them to like fail. You know, I feel like you just learn by failing and trying again and learning what you did wrong and stuff like that. So that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. You know, every client's a little different. There, some are, are better at communicating their their ideas to the students than others. Some are difficult to connect with. Some the students may feel give them you know contradictory uh, directions on what to do. So they're learning a lot about the the, the client um, uh, agency dynamic as well. So that's that's really major. And something else I really like about it is you know we've been, we've been able to give chances to international students and maybe students who couldn't afford to go do an unpaid internship in the city during the summer and now thanks to com agency they have a chance to to not only they don't have to leave penn state to get these opportunities but they're also getting paid to to build their portfolio so i'm excited that that it's created more opportunities for students to have you know the concrete work experience to show off yeah that's awesome so it's, um i always feel like everybody has a, a soapbox kind of that they stand on within their field of uh you know expertise what's what's like the main message that you try to drill into your students about effective like you know pr and effective communications i would say one of the really big things is is strategy is is the planning involved in this and and then also the the experimentation the the measurement side of things and in pr we use um, um rpi is the acronym that i use in my classes research planning implementation and evaluation and that's that's been the main four-step pr process that is that is promoted by the public relations society of america which is you know like one of the 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 biggest professional organizations for for pr so i i stress that a lot and something that's really helpful is the public relations society of america provides uh, case studies uh, for their their annual silver anvil awards and so I'm able to print those out show the students like here is a as a campaign you know uh, start to finish and I, I encourage them to think about like that this this uh, format or these four steps are like beautifully simple now the things you do for each step is where it gets more complicated but that you can always come back to these these four steps the research planning implementation and evaluation and you're gonna do a pretty pretty solid campaign um, so I really try to encourage them to just always remember that 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 structure is there to uh, to help them in the future so well, tell, tell me about some of these case studies like is there one that's one or two that's noteworthy yeah, well, I would say one one we we find one that that hits very close to home. Uh, Penn State's Office of Strategic Communications, where I where I used to work before I started teaching full time, um, I wasn't there during this campaign, but 
during the the pandemic, Penn State launched a university-wide campaign called Mask Up or Pack Up that was later recognized by the Public Relations Society of America with a Silver Anvil Award. So I was able to show them an award-winning, industry-recognized case study right from their campus. Mm. And it's really solid because that, that campaign was really strong on the research side. They did a lot of surveys in advance to see um, during... It was, based, it was surveys of students before the fall semester where we were going to come back under under social social distancing and masking up in, in class. And they were basically taking the temperature of how willing students were to wear masks and to keep their distance from each other. And some of what they found was, was pretty discouraging. Um, but by the end of this campaign, they were able to see those, those numbers improve drastically when, you know, a semester or two later they – asked you know questions about about compliance with these sorts of things this something else i really like about this case study is they tested various messages then with the students after they got this initial information they used focus groups to basically determine the the best approach and they were seeing you know would students uh what, what would have the best impact would it be something that's a little um uh, that's focused on the, I guess the, the disincentive, you know, for this. You know that you could be, uh, you could be sent home um, if you have multiple violations of our uh, the the practices that we are encouraging to keep students safe, you know. And so mask up or pack up was one. And then we're, there was also messaging that was focused on community. Uh, Penn State, we have uh, we are is our our big chant that has been in existence for decades. So we we use that to kind of appeal that like, hey, at Penn State. We, we are you are part of something bigger and embrace that sense of community and do the right thing to keep everyone safe. And they found enough to support both of those messages. But mask up, or pack up one one out. So they this campaign started with very solid data to support that they uh, to, to, to help them understand the challenge that they faced. And they had data to support the right message. And then they did various things, uh, you know, both both digitally and and in print, even using, you know, digital signage that you would typically see in a construction zone was was on some of the main <laughs> main streets and uh, along campus, you know, encouraging people to mask up or pack up. And those numbers later on showed just a drastic improvement as far as people's uh, students receptiveness to wearing a mask and socially distancing from their classmates. So that that's a case study I really like to show off. And a lot of the students, you know, um, well, some of them have graduated, but, but the majority of my students in the past few semesters lived through that campaign. They they remember being on campus during the pandemic. They remember seeing those those materials. And they may have had their <laughs> very strong opinions about that, that campaign and the university's uh, uh, tactics. Uh, but I really like giving them the chance to, to see a really excellent campaign unfold. Yeah, with testing the messaging, I worked on a pro-vaccine campaign here in Michigan during the... Um to the pandemic and you know seeing behind the scene we worked with a pr agency in lansing uh, called martin waymire and um they they had a, a research firm that kept, that came in and tested some different messages and for me it was like great learning experience because like i would have thought that this sort of hard-hitting like come on get get vaccinated like that kind of that kind of message would would uh would do it um but that was actually like the least popular message like people didn't like to be told what to do um so it was more like the it was more like the sort of positive 
kind of, I forget what, what the, what the winning, uh, approach was, but it was, it was more like feel good kind of, kind of, um, you know, we're all, let's all do this kind of thing. Um, so yeah, su super important, uh, you know, to test messaging cause you can head off in the, in the wrong direction and that's very expensive. Yeah. In the university, you know, they had enough support for that more communal message, uh, and use that as kind of like a secondary tagline, which I thought was, was, was very clever. And yeah. And the reason I like something like this for the students is I think, you know, you could, you could maybe assume that it's only one creative genius on the team who says mask up or pack up, that's it. You know, and everybody's like, cool. I like that. You know, and they go around the table and like it. Yeah. Thumbs up. Um, and, yeah. and I think it's kind of, uh, it's, it's illuminating for the students to realize that, yeah, that lots of ideas are being floated around by those creative folks, but it would be a little careless to just go full bore, full speed ahead with that message without testing how people respond to it. Sure. Absolutely. So when it comes to um, higher education institutions, uh, having a online presence with social media, like tell me about like how, how, how important is that to have a strong, positive online presence? What, what strategies can um, institutions employ to kind of manage their reputation and that kind of thing? Sure. Yeah, I, I think about it from uh, the standpoint of, of uh, prospective students, you know, who some of may I, I've talked to students who sign up for Penn State and didn't even take a campus tour, you know, and they're getting enough information. Now, often a lot of time that's a family member you know, that maybe has um, who's encouraged them. But but some, and, I, and I think a lot of that is just because they are able to get so many good uh, little details about what life is like there on campus. And that includes from the university. Um, but also something that a, plays a major role from, that I've heard from talking to students is what, what's being made by independent creators, uh, students at Penn State who are, who are on t uh, putting, you know, get ready with me videos on TikTok and doing daily vlogs on YouTube. Students are also looking at those kind of uh, unofficial university representatives to see what, what life is like. So I think that's, that's one of the probably biggest things is just that a prospective student can, by checking out on social media and the website, get a sense of what it would be like for them to be there, to be, to be walking that campus, to, to be walking among the students, to be looking at the trees, to, uh, you know, sitting by themselves on a bench reading, you know, being able to think about all those things. So I think, you know, social media can really do a good, give a good look at, at campus life. Uh, you know, I think there's, there's the very exhausting side of this. The thing that I found, you know, I worked in, in Penn State strategic office, a strategic communications office for a little bit as a social media manager becoming before becoming a faculty member. And that, that interaction, interactive portion of this can be very exhausting, uh, but also very important. So I think that's another, you know, big thing, you know, people are giving universities and colleges uh, just you know, real time feedback on how they feel about what's happening and decisions made and that sort of thing. And not saying that always means that the university needs to change course, but you know, they, you need social media people there on, on both sides of the coin, making really cool content. And then also just in the trenches, uh, responding to questions and comments and criticism. And I think those, um, it's what you talked about there, you know, the, the, the reputational management part of this. So yeah, all that, uh, super important. It makes, you know, having that, that digital presence critical. Yeah. Tell me, tell me like the, um, connection for, for people listening that might not understand the connection between, you know, thinking about at a higher institution, the connection between PR communications and, um, marketing, what, how, how, how would those, uh, those functions work together? Yeah, at Penn State, you know, we we had the the larger office of strategic communications, which housed the the PR team, public information, 
advertising and and marketing and and only in recent years that have they pulled all those people into the uh, the actually same physical location on on campus um, so I think you know that was that was something that the, the department recognized was needed for a long time but just it's you know, logistics aren't easy on a campus of this site this size and finding the right spot for everybody and is it okay to have them in town rather than in the center of campus and you know all those things so I think this uh, I think proximity really really helps so that everybody can kind of get on the same page, make sure that they're uh, they're all following the right uh, branding guidelines and messaging guidelines, and then also that they're you know aware of all the the assets that are created. I think that's sometimes the biggest challenge is you know un- making sure that everyone on that that communication staff is aware of all the the photo the, the stock photos of campus that's available, the B roll that's out there, the little interview clips that may be available with with professors. You know, I think that a unit that understands all that's out there can be like really responsive and make content really quickly when they know what's all all available for them. Yeah, it's so hard. Um, you know, as as you grow as you grow like a an asset library like that, somehow keeping it not only organized but accessible to everyone that needs to access it, and then with people creating more like ground level like phone iPhone stuff. You know, that might <laughs> there might be so much good stuff sitting on you know thirty people's phones, you know, uh, you know, that just never makes it into the, into the general pool. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what an undertaking, huh? And then, and then even once you upload things, making sure that it has the, the, the proper tags and everything to make sure that it's easily discoverable. Uh, you know, for when I was working in that unit for a long time, uh, Flickr was one of the best things we could do is just kind of having all of our, um, you know, image, still images, you know, available for us to use in the future and other communication staff to, to access and for media to access. Um, so that was, yeah, it's, it's, it's always yeah. a challenge and only going to get more challenging. huh? Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, hopefully just the AI robots will solve everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quick break here to tell you about how you can scale up your student and alumni success stories without taking on a bunch of extra work uh, to manage with our video storytelling subscriptions. Look, making even one video, it takes a lot of legwork, lots of steps to go through, hire a video vendor, herd all the cats, do all the scheduling, and then you get one video out of that. But what if you could get a whole year's worth of storytelling content that you can use uh, to highlight your various programs and all you had to do was find the stories uh, and hand them off? Well, uh, you can hand them off to us, Unveiled. Uh, Our aim is to take the friction out of telling great stories. So whether you're a big school uh, like Penn State or a smaller liberal arts college, you can tell really compelling stories all year round and fill your content calendar with video content. Uh, we get this done for you anywhere in the US. We're gonna batch shoot a year's worth of content and then every month drip out to you one new student or alumni story along with a whole package of additional video content. So you're gonna get the full length story, which is usually two to three minutes. You'll get a 30 second cut down, a 15 second cut down of that story to use in various ways and then eight topical videos to help you promote other things like scholarships, career development, internships, all that stuff. And not only can you take what we deliver and obviously crop it to how you need it, uh, format it however you need to for social media, do whatever you want, uh, but you're also gonna get all the B-roll and interview footage, all the raw stuff that we shoot. Um, And there's a wealth of additional content opportunities within that that you can run with, use it however you want, and you don't have to go film anything else. So head over to pricing.unveiled.tv to download our pricing guide, which has everything in it that you need to know. And if you'd like to chat further, you can book a call with me on our website, find me on LinkedIn, or uh, email me at john at unveiled.tv, and I'd be happy to answer any questions 
that you may have. All right, back to my conversation with Bill Zimmerman. Cool. So in your in your so you know you're a, you're a professor in, in your classrooms. How do you um, help students? You know, how do you talk about navigating the balance between promoting you know an organization an organization's achievements um, and balancing that with the negative publicity that that you have to deal with in PR. Yeah, that's that's a tough one, you know, and it's I think it comes down to sometimes like kind of knowing knowing when to sh- to shut up a little bit. And that's, you know, and a good PR team is always has their an idea of the kind of the, the temperature, you know, to be able to, to understand, you know, what 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 is the public sentiment tor- towards us at this moment? And, you know, we can can make adjustments here that maybe this um this post should be be delayed for it for a day or two. So I think it's just, I just really kind of enforce that idea that just PR people really, it's it's a, it's, I call it the, it's the challenge and the it's the, the 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 good and the bad side of the job is that things are always changing. It's always interesting, but it also requires then you to just be incredibly intentional about kind of tracking it all and seeing what's happening. So that's a big one of just you know we. I get the students uh, certified in using uh, Hootsuite social media management tool that I think is really strong at, you know, um, just uh, tracking keywords and hashtags and um, could be a good tool for to kind of get an idea of what what people are saying out there. So I think that's that's a big part of it. Um, and I also talk to students about with the content that you create. Uh, doing a good job of balancing stuff that is a little bit more on the promotional side or maybe has a call to action of some sort, and then just giving a lot of value, stuff that offers entertainment value or education value or something that just makes the person seeing that feel a part of that community, to feel a part of something bigger. So that's a big thing. You know, we talk in class about the, you know, an 80-20 role for social media, that that, that 80% of that stuff is is focused on on value, talking about the we, putting uh, the reader, the viewer uh, at, at the forefront. And that 20% of that time can be, you know, very, very promotional or, you know, uh, uh, have a strong call to action. Yeah, I I like that. The 80/20 rule is good and I see it on both sides. I see I see organizations not just in higher ed but but you know people that show up in my my different social feeds. Uh some some having like it just, it's this constant call to action, you know. Yeah. And it's like yeah. it's like who are, who is this for here? You know? <laughs> who is this serving? It seems like it's more of serving you. Um Yeah, and, no, no one to then, turn it off. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then some that are just like uh like all value and and know like what am i supposed to do you know <laughs> with that yeah yeah <laughs> And, and I, I like to also talk about, you know, the best I can do at kind of explaining the differences between PR and marketing and, and advertising sometimes, is, which isn't easy and the lines are blurring. But I, I keep continuously trying to tell the students about, you know, that the PR is really about trying to sell an, an idea or a way of thinking in, instead of a product. So I do, even though this is a, I teach a 300 level PR course, I do talk, try to talk a lot about what, what PR is specifically, uh, you know, and, and talk about, you know, trying to reach the right people with the right message at the right time. And, and, and those those sorts of elements so that's also a, a big part of it is just explaining what what is pr and what, what makes it a little different than trying to trying to sell somebody on a product and and it's not 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 easy to express and it's and again yeah the the, the different the, the divisions between the different roles uh continue to be blurred yeah and honestly it's it's always confused me too yeah <laughs> 
you know, in, in the video world, I've worked with marketing teams and I've worked with PR teams and a lot of, and a lot of times it seems like we're doing very similar things. And, uh, it's, it's very, it's very, uh, similar in the video world. I mean, you have entire websites dedicated to teaching, um, people what's the difference between like a, a line producer and an executive producer, you okay. know, <laughs> and like, what's the di the the different roles between director and the cinematographer and the how you know and that there's so much like there's so much crossover that can get that can get real confusing yeah and it's difficult for our students too to sometimes kind of make sense of of the job opportunities that are out there and i always tell them you know make sure you look beyond the the job title because you know you may have taken nothing but pr classes but you could very well be qualified for this marketing position and 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 vice versa so it it becomes you know because it yeah, the, the 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 different titles that can be used in this space are are all over the place. Um, that's very important to read read the details of a job opening. Yeah, sure. Um, cool. So, how can higher education marketers effectively collaborate with PR professionals to align marketing and PR strategies? Um, achieve common goals, things like that. Yeah, I, I think it, it goes back to really recognizing what, what PR is about. And that's that's building relationships and trying to create mutually beneficial relationships between between the uh, the organization and its publics. And I think that's that's where, you know, the PR marketing, you know, folks as they get together need to, to recognize that that's where PR people can kind of be be the biggest help, you know, where where um to 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 help the marketers in you know explaining to the publics what what the benefit is of these products and then making sure that the people who already purchased this product these products are engaged with uh digitally in ways that you know are hopefully leading to them you know being being ambassadors um i, I like to introduce the students even though they're pr students i interviewed introduce them to a you know a sales funnel of you know seeing how you know awareness and um engagement and um conversion and and advocacy and then and getting them to think about how PR people can can assist at at each level. So I think that's really, you know, just both sides kind of recognizing the the strengths of the other and then making a making like a concerted effort about how they could work on those levels of the funnel. Yeah, the sales funnel is so good to to know. Like so foundational. Yeah. I feel like it it really defines um, almost every piece of communication that you put out there when you have to think like, where is, where is this person in the funnel, you know, and what do they need to hear at this time? Um, and it can be confusing when you have one message, but probably to different people in different parts of the funnel and, <laughs> and stuff like that. T tell me more about just like how you advise, um, you know, your students uh, around like, you know, creating content or cr creating c uh, communications for the right people in the spots in the funnel. Yeah, I, I will talk a lot about, about the the importance of data and how there's just so much out there available to, to in. And I try to get them um, acclimated to to where to look for this sort of stuff, you know, look for pre research center, look for what uh, a lot of the, the, the tech tools themselves are reporting on how you know, content performs on, you know, Hootsuite or, or Buffer or Sprout Social. So I start. I try to really get the students to appreciate that uh, there's really no excuse to not not consider uh, a, some audience insights before you create that content, before you um, shape that message. So I think that's the big one, um, really emphasizing the importance of strategy. I talk about vision statements, mission statements, brand pillars, and how all those offer direction 
and the way you should structure your message and the type of content you create. I talk about that a lot as well. If you're if you're creating something that uh, runs counter or doesn't do anything to to promote that vision of the larger organization, uh, maybe not bother with it. You know, so I think that that's a big thing. Really getting them to kind of understand the why behind the content that they're going to make and to just put some thought into how data can help them make the strongest message possible. And then I, we talk a lot too about, uh, you know, writing and being conversational and sounding human in your writing. I'm always uh, pulling examples that I see out there that I just like, just really like, um, just, just recently, you know, I got my, my update on the Amazon echo and it was about, you know, to, to track the, um, track your most recent order and the prompt was just to to ask where's my stuff all right and i just thought that's yeah. great that they you know so i'm i'm bringing i just made a note of that to bring it into my class that like you know that is so much more conversational and like people actually talk and there's a very savvy move on on amazon's part to make that you know the prompt so i i try to introduce a lot of uh um wording that that uh, makes 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 that messaging better makes those calls to action more effective because they don't sound robotic yeah, and I imagine for for higher ed marketers like most of our listeners that might their institutions might struggle with that because they're this is academia and they, you know we don't say, we don't say where's my stuff you know, <laughs> or some some form of that. But uh, yeah, some of the people who impress me most at a university and communications are research writers who can, who can take something really complex and are tasked with writing about that in a way that's accessible to a general audience. I think that's a, that's a real skill and an art right there to be able to do that. Awesome. So, are there um, any what's coming in your in your opinion in in the PR field in terms of you know new trends, technologies um, that that are going to impact the field? Yeah, I mean, I'll give the the very lame, obvious answer of uh, of AI, you know, <laughs> playing playing a role. Uh, you know, I think there's already been interesting ways that like machine learning has helped with PR. You know, I think from from a social media standpoint, where almost every social media management tool now can offer you insights on the best time to make a post. You know, there it's actively tracking that data of how your posts performed in the past, and it can tell you this is the best day, this is the best time. So I think stuff like that's exciting. You know, the the chance to use AI to maybe make a first draft of a of a media pitch or a or a news release. I, I don't th I think it would be dangerous to make that the end all be all, but it can certainly be a uh, a good start, and then you can start to really you know hone that message. the The social media management tool we use for the comm agency team is called Planable. Just uh, um, launched uh, an AI feature on there as well, uh, with just a click of a button. You know, there you can activate a prompt like "Make this more conversational" or "Shorten this" or something like that. So I think that's I, I I'm excited that that can help the students on my team kind of understand how to make this uh, work for them. And and then probably along the way they're starting to learn better practices that maybe they don't have to ask the the AI tool again, and they just know how to shorten something and make it more more conversational. Uh, but I, and I think the thing that's really uh, maybe the, the trend that I think is going to be a major challenge for people in PR is just that uh, just the, the proliferation of misinformation, uh, conspiracy theories, deep fakes. It's going to be really tough to do work where you're trying to build public trust when the public is deeply mistrustful of, of, of institutions. And, you know, and I, I 
don't know how the the solution there to, to these challenges. You know, we uh, you talked about working on the vaccination campaign. You know, we 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 saw very recently how difficult it was for from a public health and safety standpoint to combat some of the the fears and misinformation out there. So I I think it's going to be just really tough times for for PR people to do what they do as as the the sentiment is just things are just very choppy waters out there and and trying to connect with people and 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 influence them so I, and i think from for the public health standpoint is where we made kind of the most fearful uh public health and safety of how you how, how you get the right messaging to people um a, a close uh, cousin of mine works in safety science he's a safety professional on construction sites on roofing projects and he's talked in recent years about how tough it is to get people to be safe and to deliver a message. And it's just, you know, it, it, and it's that same kind of mistrust is rampant there <laughs> that, that we're seeing in public communications is rampant on these construction sites, you know, where people are just very resistant to, to take the proper safety measures to keep themselves and others safe. I mean, and so I think there's just a climate out there that's going to make it tougher and tougher to, to communicate with the public. Yeah. I love the, um, like on TikTok, there's like, funny like osha violation videos <laughs> yeah my cousin he, he he showed me powerpoints that he's created and he's made them just infinitely more interesting by you know just raiding the internet for stuff like that yeah that's awesome well cool this has been a great conversation anything that i should have asked you that i didn't ask you oh john this was this was a lot of fun i think you know um i i'm, I'm excited for the chance to, to talk about these sorts of things and i think you know there are times some you know penn state has been around since 1855 and while i was doing the work sometimes i would wonder does a place like this even need to do <laughs> digital communications this just seems like such a machine that that has so mm -hmm. much goodwill out there and families who have sent generations of students to this university. Um, so I think it would be interesting sometimes if we saw any major social media or any major higher ed powerhouses just to like press pause on all this stuff. But I think with time, I've definitely seen that this just this is just very critical um, in the way colleges and universities operate. It's to, if, and so many different audiences to serve, keep prospective students uh, in the loop to make alumni still feel part of the place and continue to uh, to play on their good feelings about their universities and give them, you know, nostalgic glimpses of the place. Uh, and one of the things I think Penn State does really well is they are so tapped into the traditions and the history of this place. Um, they know they 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 have mined the library for uh, you know old photographs uh, and figured and have figured out neat ways to to package them. Uh, they just put out a TikTok for graduation that was a mix of you know graduation pics throughout the years and it was just beautifully done. You know, so I think uh, you know the, the best universities are figuring out how to how to maintain those traditions on on digital communications, mine their uh, their histories for all sorts of content that can now be digitized and reshared with a new generation. And they're figuring out how to in, include all you know, uh, people from a lot of different uh, backgrounds, you know, whether uh, or life experiences, whether that's alumni, current students, prospective students, parents. Uh, it's it's complex work, uh, but also, you know, higher ed communicators can benefit from just all the people that have already come through there and all the tr traditions that had been been created and all the, the good good vibes and good feelings about the place awesome well this has been great i appreciate you coming on the show all right john this has been a pleasure thanks a lot
Thank you for listening. Three things I want to give you before you go. Number one reminder to go to pricing.unveiled.tv to download our free pricing guide and learn all about how our video storytelling subscriptions can make your marketing team's lives so much easier. Uh, number two, if you're already doing storytelling or you want to do more of it, you want to do it better or differently, uh, I have a three-part uh, storytelling framework that you can download at unveiled.tv slash student testimonials. Um, and that will take you through uh, the framework that we put to use in the videos that we create. Um, and it doesn't even have to be for video, it can be for written written text-based uh, content as well. Uh, number three, leave a review for this podcast. Uh, I'd really appreciate it, it helps us out a ton. Uh, thank you so much for listening. My name is John Azoni. Uh, go connect with me on LinkedIn. Email me at john at unveiled.tv. Uh, that's J-O-H-N. Um, and in the meantime, we'll catch you in the next episode of the Higher Ed Storytelling University Podcast. Thanks. Thank you.